The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Do you know what happens when you tell people about Jesus? When you tell people about Christ and His work on the cross, they'll believe and their lives will be changed. And the Bible says in Acts 11.21, they're preaching in all of these cities like Phoenice, Antioch, Cyprus. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Well, praise God. We want that in our day as well. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and this is Exploring the Word. And we come to you as we continue the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 11, and we invite you to open a copy of God's Word and join along with us as we study the Scriptures. Bert, it's good to be with you, my friend. It is good to be with you. I want to ask, did you have a good 4th of July Independence Day weekend? I did, and I was. it was blessing because I was at a camp with several hundred young people talking about God and country, and they were so receptive. And, you know, uh, last night in a big celebration singing the national anthem and the tribute to the armed forces and singing America the Beautiful and God Bless the USA, Lord, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to tell you, I got a lump in my throat Amen. and a tear in my eye, didn't you? I did. I, I got on my phone, and I, I can't sing worth anything, but I can listen well. And I heard, you know, uh, God bless the USA. And, and listen, that disturbs my heart. And, uh, yes, that's good to hear. Alex, being around young people gives you hope for the future. Have you noticed that? It does me. Oh, yeah. I, I've met so many good, godly young people and uh, people say, oh, they're not worth anything. Listen, I've met some of the godliest people I've ever met, and they love the Lord. And so we, I, I appreciate you doing those camps and equipping them. But also, doesn't it encourage you to be around them as well? Oh, I love it. I, I really do. Because, Bert, well, just moments ago, literally, I was in front of 200 middle school and high schoolers. And we did Q&A, and many of them listened to Exploring the Word. We've got teenagers listening right now. And, uh, Bert, I have to tell you this. It made me laugh because the Q&A, the question turned to evolution, uh, creation versus Charles Darwin and evolution, you know. And this uh, little boy, his name was Abel, and I think he might have been a middle schooler because he was, he was a, a little small boy. And he said, the idea that all of this just came out of nothing by accident, he said, well, that's just crazy. <laughs> Amen. Hey, he's you. what was David? He God has made him wiser than all of his teachers. Sounds like that young man is what has wised up to truth, and we appreciate <laughs> that. Well, Alex, we opened with Acts 11, and you started with verse 29. But notice what it says in verse 19. They were scattered because of the persecution. God used persecution. God, again, uses whatever is given in order to advance the gospel. But notice it says, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Uh, I'm not sure uh, those folks understood that it was for everyone yet. But God is going to open up these doors at different places. And one of these places is mentioned the third place in verse 19, Antioch. Now, if I were wanting to model 
2023 church after a New Testament church. People say, well, I want to be like the New Testament church, and I ask them, which one? Because you had Corinth, and man, I, I wouldn't want to model myself after them. But if what I could lay out, no way. But if I could model after the the church at Antioch, Alex, uh, I'd be in good standing. How about you? Amen. Yeah, that's that's right. We want to say which church because there were a number of ones in the New Testament, and Antioch is a good one. You know, I begin with verse 21. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Verse 22 says, The tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Now Barnabas gets there, and he sees the grace of God, and he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Bert, uh, Acts eleven twenty three just lifts me up, doesn't it, you? It does me. I've got it highlighted. I've got it underlined. He observed the grace of God, and he was glad. He wasn't a cosmic killjoy. He didn't go there to put them down, and, it, and he encouraged them all. He encouraged with purpose of heart, continue. How do you like that word? Continue with the Lord. Don't stop. Don't pull up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on doing what? Well, they were preaching the word, they were living the word, they were sharing the word, and great numbers had turned to the Lord. And so here it is, he came and he was sent by them. I, I'm glad they sent somebody like Barnabas, you know, someone yes. that would, what was it, son of consolation or son yes. of encouragement. So he goes there, he finds out God is working, and it reminds me of what Henry Blackaby said. He find out where God is working and join them. That's what mm-hmm. Barnabas did, isn't it? Well, it, it is. And, you know, it's a beautiful thing in verse 25. It says, Barnabas went to Tarsus to seek Saul. Now, here's the thing. You know, most people might have been running from Saul. Most Christians, the last thing they wanted to do was run up on Saul. But everybody knows that he's been changed. He's been saved. And in verse 26, when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. But every born-again believer that names the name of Jesus has a tie to the, the church at Antioch, don't they? They really do. And again, I love this. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Barnabas was a great connector. Uh, I want that to be true with me, Alex. I want to connect people, ministries, connect people with the Lord Jesus Christ. But Barnabas, you remember what he did with Paul? He is the one that took him to the apostles in Jerusalem not long after he had been saved. And here he goes to Antioch. He sees what's going on. He observes, and he goes and gets Paul because he knows that, guess what? Paul needs them, and they need Paul. They, I want to ask you, isn't that usually is what happens in a connection that both yeah. parties have interest, both parties have advantages from having this relationship? Amen, amen. You know, we need each other, and, and in our camps and our conferences, uh, I got to tell you, that is one thing that's been much on my heart and, and I got to tell you, you know, I got saved through a Baptist church and I love the Baptist and I preach in 
four dozen Baptist churches a year, but I also preach all over the place. Methodist Assembly of God, Bert, if if there are people on fire for Jesus and they want to <laughs> collaborate, I collaborate because yeah. here's here's the thing I'm going to say. Uh, and I mean, I've lost a lot of, I've lost friends that say, oh, Alex, you know, you shouldn't fraternize with people who aren't in our camp. But here's the thing. I know authenticity when I see it, you know, and I think we've got to like Barnabas. Barnabas went and brought Saul to Antioch because folks, and, and I'm not talking about compromise. Look, uh, you don't believe Jesus is the one and only savior. We got a problem. I can't work with you. You don't believe that the Bible is God's inerrant word. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot in common. But Bert, people of good faith who believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus, and they do believe the word, uh, we need to, to maximize on what we agree on. I got to tell you that th for a year, Barnabas, uh, the Apostle Paul, they're with all the Christians at Antioch, and they're teaching and they're assembled and I, I sure would have loved to have been a part of that Bible study. <laughs> Me and you both. You're just talking about, uh, you know, coming together. Uh, I do the other program I do on the weekend, Exploring Missions. And today I had the privilege of interviewing a missionary that was working in Nigeria. And what a privilege it was. He was a completely different denomination than I was. But I asked him something. I said, I know what's taking place on, in Nigeria do you guys take time to find out what denomination each missionary is when y'all are being persecuted or do y'all, y'all pray for each other and care for one another? He says, you know, he says, if you're a follower of Christ, we care for each other. And I want to mm -hmm. say that we need to know that in America too. We're not facing the persecution that they are in Nigeria, in North Korea, in India, which is really pouring it on right now. It's horrible over there in a lot of different locations. But I am telling you, when when you're being persecuted and you're a follower of Christ, I don't think you're going to wait and find out why. Now, how, which mode of baptism do you have? Do you speak in tongues or do you do not speak in tongues? Do, do you, you know, Alex, yeah, uh, exactly. under that persecution, I don't believe you're going to try to qualify. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yes, I am. Do you believe the Word of God? Yes, I do. Amen. You're my brother in Christ. Let's go forward. And I, I want to tell you, this is my opinion. You can disagree, but I think we're living in a time in America in 2023 where we better look at one another. Yes, it's important. It is important. But uh, don't make some things bigger than they should be. Now, again, that may yeah. some people may disagree on what is big. But Jesus Christ is Savior, the Word of God being the inerrant Word of God about what it says concerning a marriage, what it concerning says about identity, those are big. But if they're an old earth or a new earth guy, listen, we can get along. If, they, if they're uh, concerning predestination, Calvinistic, and somebody else is Arminian, I just want to tell you, be ready to say, listen, I may disagree with you there, but do you love Jesus? Are you following him? Yes, I do. Let's go forward together. Now, Alex, mm. that's what we're trying Amen. to do on Exploring the Word, isn't it? Amen. Amen. And, you know, I've said it many times. Please forgive my repetition. But D.L. Moody, one of my heroes in the 19th century, he said, any friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. Amen. And, and I just want it to be that way. But it's fascinating here. I've got to share this. They're in Antioch. The Spirit of God is moving. And verse 27 says, in these days came prophets 
from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, interesting name, and signified by the Spirit. Well, let me tell you, before I say what he said, the name Agabus, fascinating name. For one thing, it means the Father's joy, but it also means, it can mean a locust. Now, I wonder if Agabus's name is somewhat linked to what he's going to say. Agabus gets up and says there's going to be a great famine throughout all the world. Some translations say a dearth, D-E-A-R-T-H, but a famine, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. That's over in Acts 21. But the disciples, they took an offering for those in Jerusalem. Uh, Isn't it fascinating that Agabus prophesied about a famine that later did come to pass? Yes, and they took an offering. Listen, they were ready. And they sent that money by Barnabas and Saul to Jerusalem. There they go again. Hey, we're going to continue this story right after the break. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex, and this is the program where we go through the Word of God. Right now, we're in the book of Acts, and we're starting at chapter 12, and uh, it's it's a great, great chapter right in the middle of the book of Acts, and the Word of God is spreading. People are being saved, but also persecution has happened, and it continues. Now, I, I want to make this statement, then we'll start reading and looking at the details, but chapter 12 is an amazing chapter for me. We have James, who is an apostle, the brother of John, James and John, the sons of thunder. John is beheaded. He is killed with a sword. Peter's in prison, but God sends an angel to bring him out and save his life and move him away from Jerusalem to Caesarea. Why would James die and Peter lived? Was there not enough faith for James and there was for Peter? Listen, uh, you trust God. This is what you do. Your faith is in God. After that, you trust God, and sometimes you're delivered from prison. Sometimes you're beheaded. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about it. The same faith that delivered Daniel from the lion's den was the same faith that put Isaiah in a hollow log to be sewn into. Same mm-hmm. faith, same God, but we can trust him. Alex, again, a lot of folks, they have trouble with that. Why was why did this happen? It was bad. Why did he deliver that one and not this one? Well, the book of the Bible's filled with information like that. It's a matter of trusting God, isn't it? Well, it really is, Bert, and you make a great point. And God, God is faithful, and God does deliver. And, and let me say God does heal. Now, sometimes that healing takes place when we leave this world and go to heaven. Sometimes that deliverance takes place when we uh, people have been martyred and they go to heaven. But you know what? God has his purposes for every life. I think about, um, you know, great leaders like Johnny Erickson that have uh, really had a cross to bear for decades. But she said, you know, her injury that paralyzed her um, gave her a platform to share the gospel for many decades. See, when we become a disciple, Bert, uh, isn't it true, isn't it fair to say that Christ's plan becomes our life's agenda? 
you know, God's plan for our life becomes our agenda. And that, that might be what from a human perspective looks like blessing. It might be what we think looks like a burden, but Bert, I believe based on the word of God and based on the testimony of so many people that um, living for eternity, pouring out our life for the great commission in obedience, um, it is for the glory of God. It is for the salvation of souls. And it, it, we're going to be re rewarded in heaven. Bert, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And isn't it worth it, regardless of blessing or even martyrdom? Uh, isn't it all a joy for the disciple to be in the Father's plan and in the Father's will? That's where you want to be. Let me share with you one of my favorite verses. I have people say, do you have a life verse? It's hard for me to pin down one. I have really several. And one is from Philippians chapter 1. And I love this verse. It says this, and Paul writes, and it says, verses 19 and 20 and 21, for I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But listen at what he said, that Christ would be magnified in my body whether I live or whether I die, our goal is to glorify the Lord. He has saved us. He's got a home in heaven waiting upon us, and we live for him. And that's what James did. He's the first martyr. He's the, or the second martyr. Stephen had already died, but he's the first right, apostle right. to have died. He dies by the sword, and he is killed right there. And and verse 3 says, and because he saw that it pleased, talking about Herod, the king, after he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four squadrons of soldiers to keep him. Four squadrons, man, they were guarding him, uh, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but one of the greatest statements in all the Bible, verse 5, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Alex, but constant prayer was offered. And here's Peter. James have died. Peter's waiting for death. But God did something, didn't he? Oh, golly, he, he does. And, and by the way, there's a word here. Uh, in the King James, it's translated quaternions. Q-U-A-T-E-R-N-I-O-N-S, a group of four. By the way, this is amazing, folks. Uh, Peter's put in prison, and uh, they basically have, you know, 16 soldiers guarding him. Guarding him. Bert, you, you've heard of 3D printing, right? You yes. know, they've got these printers now that can, um, you know, something's designed on a computer and you know, it can print out a physical object, not just ink on paper. Well, one of the ways that they do this, this ancient Greek word, quaternions, which are sets of four numbers that are very ordered. And, uh, you know, this is a Bible word that's now used in the computer age to create very intricate, very technical things. It's just amazing. But apparently 
uh, they thought Peter was a sufficient enough threat that they were putting, um, you know, groupings of four soldiers each to guard him. But uh, he's in prison and they're praying. And verse six, when Herod would have brought him forth, in other words, by the way, brought him forth not to uh, honor him or anything, but probably to execute him, I would imagine. Same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains. The keepers before the door kept the prison. So Peter is under arrest and heavy surveillance. But the angel of the Lord comes upon him and a light shined in the prison. He poked Peter in the side. Wake up, wake up. (laughs) The King James says he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. And I can an angel talk? I bet this one whispered, arise, get up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Um, Don't you think that the angel just kind of nudged him and woke him up there? Isn't this amazing? He did. And he, he couldn't believe it. And as you read on, you'll see that. But let me just say this prayer cover. Uh, I've talked about Frank Peretti. He's a great author. I love it. Piercing the darkness, this present darkness. And it's talking about it's really talking about angelic movement. And you and I've talked about Billy Graham's uh, book about angels, you know. And oh, yeah. Alex, listen, prayer cover. Uh, I, I remember in one of Frank Peretti's books said the angels are ready to operate in the spiritual realm, but they're waiting for the prayer cover. Now, again, this is just a book, but when I read this and I hear the church constantly prayed, and then the angel came and operated. I, I do believe the prayers of people change things. It not only changes us, but it changes things. So this angel, because of the prayer cover, I do believe, operated in such a manner to deliver Peter. Now, God had a purpose for it, and I understand that. And this is the sovereignty of God and men responding to God, working together. And don't try to put one over the other and say, if not this, if not that. No, just take it as it is. They were praying. God responded, and he responded in power with this angel. Arise quickly. The chains fell. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself up and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. This is just unreal. When they were past the first and the second guard post, there's that uh, quadrant of angels that you were talking about, or, or guards, I should say. They came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. The angel took him as far as he needed to go under the cover of, of angelic invisibility. They just couldn't see him. Uh, I I just see this angel covering up, uh, you know, covering Peter as he was walking through that, that the the guards, if they were awake, couldn't even see him, Alex. Uh, I, I love this story. It's one of the most fascinating stories in all the New Testament to me, and you've talked about it a lot. Man, this would make a good movie or a good show. This is one of those scenes, isn't it? Well, it, it really is. It's it's amazing. And so Peter doesn't know if he's dreaming or whatever. He, he comes to himself, verse 12 says. In other words, he kind of like begins to get clarity about what's going on. And he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Because 
you know, by the way, in verse six, where it said Herod would have brought him forth, the word translated there uh, in the Greek is the word from which we get the word deposition. So I don't mean Herod was going to let him go, but he was going to take him out for cross-examination and deposition for further accusation. But, um, you know, the, the Jewish leaders thought, here's this troublemaker. You know, he's the one that preached at Pentecost. We've going to convict him, prosecute him. But the angel delivered him. Okay, so Pete, verse 12, he had considered the thing, and he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and many were gathered there praying. And they knock on the door, and a damsel, a young woman, comes named Rhoda. And she knew Peter's voice, but she didn't open the gate for gladness. So she runs back in, tells everybody, listen, listen, listen. We're praying. He's at the door right now. Bert, read verse 15. <laughs> but Now, yeah, we, we Christians, we pray, but sometimes when God answers and does the miracle, we don't believe it. We doubt. What happened in verse 15? They said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that he was so, so they said, it's his angel. <laughs> they, they we could we not know believe. he's probably dead by now. Yeah, dead now. Let me just say this. You know, I do understand here they were praying. Were they praying in lack of faith? Let me put another spin on this, Alex, just a little bit. Even in our prayers, I think we're still amazed that God would answer a prayer from us. You know, mm, I, yeah. I, 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 I think you had both. You had those that didn't believe it was happening. They were just joining in, but there may have been some people there. You know, they, they believe God, but there are some people there. Why would God hear our prayer? James has died. Now, why would God deliver Peter, uh, and not James? I don't know what they were thinking, but I'm telling you what truth prevailed reality. What, what'd you say? Truth is it's in connection with reality or whatever what truth term? yes truth is that which corresponds to reality so what sure. the reality came when they saw peter standing there reality was truth wasn't it exactly so peter keeps knocking I, I, bert i can just picture <laughs> that peter is nervously imagine if if somebody you know uh walks by peter's got his head down he keeps knocking and you know at first they say, Rhoda, you're crazy. Well, okay, maybe Peter is at the door, but it's his ghost, literally, because we're sure he's dead by now. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things to James, to the brethren. He departed and went into another place. So Herod, the next morning, apparently, you know, they can't find Peter. So the guards get presumably, I suppose, get executed, don't they? They do. That's what it says. Here it was. But when Herod, verse 19, had searched for him, did not find him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So Peter did get out of town. This was the time. And and so God did what God does. It's like our salvation. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot have enough good works. We can't pay enough money. Uh, we can't join the right church. We can't be baptized enough times for us to be right with God. We come to God and we trust him as we repent, turn away from our sin and trust him and we, we're we saved. God does that. Only God could do that. No man can do that. It's not, uh, John says in chapter one of John, not by the will of man, 
Man can't will himself to be saved. Here, there's no way that Peter could do this. God did it. But guess what he did? After he did it, Peter started doing some of the work. He's still doing it led by the Holy Spirit, I do believe. But God did only what God could do. And then he said, Peter, you go to another house besides Mary. And then he stayed there and he says, you know what? Get out of Jerusalem. Go to Caesarea. He did. So, Alex, uh, I, I love God and man working together. That's what, man, I want to walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I want to fulfill God's calling in my life. And I know those who are listening today, you want to fulfill God's calling in your life. God has saved you. God has set you apart. God has equipped you. Now use that equipment that God has given you for the glory of God and trust him. And that's what Peter does here, Alex. Well, he really does. He really does. And it says, uh, you know, it's interesting, by the way, at the end of Acts 12 here, um, Herod uh, really does get um, uh, judged. The, Herod is up. Um, he was very displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. And, uh, you know, Christianity is spreading. And just a little bit of political aside here, Blastus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. Okay, what's going on here? Herod is kind of a regional Roman leader. He's got alliances with neighboring countries. And so Herod's taking credit for this political alliance. People call him a god, and he doesn't deny it, and he falls over dead. We can talk more about that. But you're listening to Exploring the Word. We're going to take calls. The number, 888-589-8840. When we come back with your Bible questions, stay tuned. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, he is coming back again. Jesus came miraculously the first time, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and he's coming again maybe soon. We hope you're ready. Well, the number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'd be very honored to have your your calls, your Bible questions. And Bert, again, I know it was yesterday, but I just want to say how we thank God for America. We pray for our beloved nation. And uh, July 4th, uh, that's in my top three or four favorite holidays of the year, Bert. Uh, and uh, again, a happy birthday to the United States Amen. of America. I agree with you fully. By the way, uh, that phone number, 888 We're going to William in a minute. Before we do, just two verses here in chapter 12, and we're through. Even with uh, all that was going on with Herod, Verse 24, the word of God grew and multiplied, grew and multiplied. He couldn't say just grow. He couldn't say just multiplied, grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname is Mark. What a transition, but I wanted to make one comment. They fulfilled their ministry. That's Alex. That's my prayer. I want to fulfill God's purpose in ministry for my life. 
And I love that statement. They fulfill their ministry. Great statement, isn't it? Amen. And we want to f- fulfill ours as well. Okay. Let's go to Texas and talk to William. Welcome, William. Hi. Uh, just a quick question. Do you believe that we will uh, see our pets? Uh, and I guess the question is, do animals go to heaven when they when they leave this earth? And and uh, do you will we see them again? And, and that's my question, and I'll listen off the air. Thank you. Uh- Okay, William, thank you. We have had that question before two or three times, Alex. Uh, again, I, we it's no definite answer. We, With all my heart, I'll say this, William, I do believe animals are in heaven because Jesus talked about, you know, paradise, uh, talks about the trees growing by the river, which sounds a lot like the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden was filled, and it talks about in the millennial that you're going to have the lion and the lamb laying down together. I don't see why that would stop in heaven. Now, whether it's our animals or not, Alex, I I question that myself. Go ahead, though, Alex. Yeah, you know, this is a topic that, you know, equally godly people have disagreed on. And w- whenever we talk about this, I mean, on the one hand, we will get criticisms because um, people will quickly say, but animals don't have souls. So how could an animal get born again and go to heaven? Well, uh, if you want to be really precise, we humans, we are a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, We're sarks, pneuma, and psyche. Now, what happens when you as a human trust Jesus is your spirit, the pneuma, that part of you that will live everlastingly, gets regenerated and and born again, right? Okay, Um, but while an animal might not have pneuma, in the sense of a, a spirit that is guilty of sin, animals definitely have a body and psyche. Animals are very much aware. In fact, the more highly domesticated animals really do a lot of thinking. Now, it's interesting. There will absolutely be animals in heaven, uh, lions, lambs, horses, and snakes. And uh, Isaiah eleven six through 9 talks about the, the lion and the lamb. The leopard will lay down with the young goat, the calf and the lion, and uh, the, the the little infant baby will safely play next to the adder's den. So Isaiah 11 talks about a lot of animals in the New Jerusalem. One last thing, and I, I started to be so long, but Luke 3, 6, talking about what Chuck Colson said, you know, God, quote, restoring all things. The Bible says in Luke 3, 6, that all flesh will see the salvation of God. And the word there is sarks. So when Christ restores all things, it doesn't mean just human flesh, but animal flesh. So animals will definitely be in heaven. Now, will it be Esther, my little dog? Uh, I'll tell you three great leaders who believed our pets would go to heaven. Martin Luther, C.S. Lewis, and Billy Graham. Now, people, Bert, sometimes people go, oh, give me a break. I don't know. I'm not going to be dogmatic, yes or no. Uh, I don't know, but uh, it's maybe, maybe not. The Bible simply does not specifically say. Martin Luther believed his dog would be in heaven. Yeah. Was he right or wrong? I don't, I don't know. know. What about a mean dog, Alex? The huh. dog that's mean, they, would they go to heaven yeah. or just the nice dogs? Uh, uh, I think maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll get a regenerated temperament. Uh, okay, okay. I, I just uh, you can t- kind of tell which way I lean 
Uh, I just, uh, anyway, uh, thank you, William. And again, the answer we don't know, but we know animals are going to be there and it's going to be a great, great place. Make sure we are going and that we know Jesus Christ is Savior. Let's stay in Texas and talk to Bo. Welcome, Bo. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I was wondering, um, I've been watching a lot of The Chosen lately, and I know it's, you know, a fictional, you know, film or, or, you know, series, but there's a lot of interaction between Jesus and the other disciples and Judas, and it really made me think about the life of Judas, you know, man, that's the true Jesus, you know, he was among the group. I'm sure psychologically and in his feelings, he was a part of the group. And so it's really kind of, you know, interesting to think about his outcome of his life and the purpose he served, fulfilling prophecy and things like that. But also Peter, you know, him denying Christ three times, but he's a born-again saved man, you know, disciple, follower of Jesus. And so just looking at those two people— and those outcomes and things like that, like, how, what's a proper view of Judas? Okay. Thank you, know, you, Bo. Knowing. Yeah. Bo, thank you. Good question. By the way, Loretta from Texas, if you can listen, you ask, was Judas saved after he betrayed Jesus? So we're going to answer these two questions together. Alex, go ahead. Uh, Judas was not saved. The Bible calls him the son of perdition. Uh, Jesus says, woe unto the one who betrays the son of man, uh, Psalm 41, nine even prophesied that he would be the one who would lift it up his heel against the Messiah. Now, Bert, I've got a bullet. And the, the, by the way, lifted up his heel is indicative of being the enemy of somebody. I just can't believe the enemy of the Messiah and the single most uh, responsible person for the, the killing of Jesus. No, a thousand times no. Judas was lost. Judas is in hell right this minute, and there's no way he was saved. I don't believe that, Bert. I don't either. And Peter, listen, yes, he did sin. He denied Christ, but he went out and wept bitterly. Uh, there was a point of uh, repentance on his part. Quite a bit of difference in denying Christ and then betraying Christ. Uh, I've heard people put what Peter did and what Judas did on the same level. They're not on the same level. Uh, and, and to say, well, Judas helped fulfill God's purpose for Jesus by betraying him. Listen, that is no excuse. Just because that was predicted and knew, Jesus knew Judas would do it does not make Judas not responsible for his choices. Just like the King David, when King David uh, you know, yes, he was forgiven for his sin with Bathsheba and having Uriah killed. Yes, he was forgiven. But yet the penalty of that stayed with him. And so uh, I think there's a big difference in Peter and, and Judas and uh, how they responded and what they did, Alex. So thank you. Thank you for that good question, Bo and Loretta. We appreciate that. The number, 888-589-8840. We do have lines open, but we go to Laurie. Is it Laurie or Laurie in Iowa? Laurie, is that right? Yes. Go hey, ahead. Um, this, isn't, this isn't a biblical question, but I listen to AFR. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, and um, I'm kind of the 
odd one in our family. And um, how do you get them to listen to your program or E.W. Jackson or, you know, the Hamilton? Because that information is all there. And I have tried to introduce them to it and sent them books for Christmas and do you have any suggestions? Am I just like, I mean, I pray every day for them. Okay. Laurie, thank you. We thank you for listening. Thank you for yes. being one Amen. of those people that not only listen, but promote us and pray for us. Alex, uh, we have folks and I've met some of them, uh, one or two mechanics I've met and what they'll do. They'll, while they're working on that car, they'll go in and reset the tele, the, the radio <laughs> stations, to all of them to an AFR station. Now, again, Laura, you can't do that, but try to make them thirsty. Uh, find something that you know they're interested in. That's just the thought. If they're interested in child raising, man, the Addisons, what a job they do. If they're interested in finance, uh, Rob Wise, uh, on, on you know money, uh, faith and, and finance that comes on in the morning, Try to find an area that they're in that they're interested in and gear one of your recommendations to that and say, just do me a favor and listen to it for 15 minutes and see what they say. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, and sometimes the ones closest to us are the hardest to win. And I know you you love and you care and you're interceding for these people. But, Bert, I've had loved ones that came to Christ, but... Sometimes it was me that was able to see it happen, but very often I think it was me praying and somebody else God put in their path. But we pray. Now, there is uh, the John challenge that we often give to skeptics and atheists. We'll say the Gospel of John, 21 chapters, read it and just simply say, God, if you are real, please speak to me. And, uh, you know, put a try to make people thirsty, but. Um, ultimately, it's got to be the Holy Spirit that draws them, isn't it? It is, and and we've learned to do this uh, with our loved ones that we are not reaching. Pray that others reach them as you're reaching someone else's others. In other words, there's probably somewhere, Laurie, that you're close to that someone is praying for, and you would have a uh, a, a chance to you know show your interest in them and show that they can find Christ. And so you pray for those as you are ministering to the others for someone else that's trying to pray for their loved ones to know more about Christ and know more about the biblical worldview. Thank you so much. Let's go to Kentucky, and it's Brandon. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. So my question is, in the Bible I was reading where it says that not to worry and even the birds don't worry and if he provides for the birds how much more would he provide for me and not to worry but still i find myself worrying about things like my family and you know finances and stuff like that even though i know that he can provide so can you like am i sinning or can you kind of elaborate on that for me and i'll hang up and listen okay let me just share this with you uh read psalm 37 4 read psalm 37 4 memorize it, take it to uh, to heart, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of their, your heart. If you go down that, uh, the cure for worry, you can see that Psalm 37, 4. I've, that's been my verse or my chapter to go to 
concerning worrying finances, uh, my, my children, uh, my church, that psalm really speaks to that. Uh, I, I'd pray for that, Brandon. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Bert, you know, this is really near and dear to my heart because I guess if, if there's been an area of Christian growth, I've really, um, this is an area where God has dealt with me because I came from a family that we were bankrupt and we were always in financial straits and farmers, you know, in rural North Carolina. And I was, I don't know, 14, 15, the bank came to put us out and my mother was crying and um, money has always been a worry to me. But I was reading Matthew 6 and Matthew, I would encourage people to read Matthew 6 and Jesus says, you know, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing out there. And then, you know, don't be like the heathen who think they're going to be heard because of their repetition. And, but it says that we're to trust because our Father knows what we need even before we ask, Matthew 6, 8. Then it goes into what's called the model prayer. And it, you know, says that God feeds the birds of the, the air and he, we're worth more than many sparrows. Now, Bert, here's the thing. Isn't it very, very liberating to just trust God? And, and I'm not saying I always get it right, but God had to do a work in my heart, Bert, yep. and walking by faith and to say, Lord, you are my source and I'm going to trust you. And I think it's a habit we can develop with the help of the Holy Spirit. But folks, if you want freedom and just uh, be able to put your head down and sleep at night without worry, ask God to help you learn to trust him because i want to say god can be trusted he can i want to read this uh douglas ron thank you for calling we're not going to get to your calls today but thank you let me read psalm 37 i want to read this alex it speaks to it do not fret because of evil doers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and withers the green herb now what do you do trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness that's the first thing, trust. Verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you desires your heart. Delight in him. Think on him constantly. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as noonday. Then verse 7 and 8, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of a man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret, it only causes more harm. That's Psalm mm. 37, verses 1 through 8. Alex, that's I said I don't have life verses, but that's one of my life verses that I turn to. Praise the Lord. Well, you've been listening to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. So honored you've been with us today. We're going to resume again tomorrow. So do us a favor. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.